Welcome to Bear Skin with Celeste. I am so excited for our guest today. I know that so many of you have commented and we talk about the subject of sleep all the time. I think we're a nation preoccupied with the lack of sleep or what we do with our children, with our family at our workplace. So Dr. Whitney Roban is on with me today. She's a family educational and corporate sleep specialist. Yes, all of those things, corporate, family, education, because we all are concerned with that, as well as the founder of Solve Our Sleep. She's also the author of the award-winning books, Devin and Evan, Sleep from Eight to Seven, try saying that three times, and Devin and Evan play Fortnite till 11, as well as Dr. Roban's Solve Our Sleep School Healthy Sleep Curriculum. So I love that, particularly with everything that we talk about here with health and well-being, you know, Dr. Roban's mission is to provide sleep education, support families, students, teachers, and employees to not only survive, but to thrive. And obviously her training and experience as a clinical psychologist definitely plays into not only her passion, but her success as a leading sleep expert. So I'm so excited to have you on with us today. Thank you, Celeste. So happy to be here. Well, I love this subject and I'd love to know, you know, we always sort of get behind the scenes of the guests that we have. And, you know, before we launch into sleep and the importance of it in our overall life, tell me about your journey. How did you become a sleep expert and what, what drove this mission and passion of yours? Sure, it's a great question that I love to answer because the answer really is focused around my own children. <laughs> We're now um, 17 and almost 20. But um, I went and I got my PhD in clinical and school psychology. And I thought when I was younger that I would work as a school psychologist and have a practice as a clinical psychologist. Interestingly enough, where I'm at now is not that far from it, but the road was not linear at all. So I was working as a researcher and um, got pregnant with my first son and 9-11 and happened. We were living in New York City at the time. And... Um, I was supposed to go back then actually hybrid, which was really unheard of. But as a new mom, I thought that was like a great, you know, two days in the office and two days at home. And then after 9-11, the CEO of my company got um, hired to go work for the Red Cross. And a new CEO came in. And while I was on leave, they said, you have to come back now five days a week or nothing. And I looked at my little newborn next to me and I said, you know, I wasn't really planning on being a full-time working mom, um, but I did want to work. Let me stay home for a bit. And he didn't sleep. <laughs> so I said, oh, wait, no way can I function like this without sleep. And I got him to be this amazing sleeper. And I went to the 14th Street Y in New York City. And I was talking about this in a parenting group. And the head of the 14th Street Y said, you're so good. You should really do this professionally. And Celeste, you have to realize this was 21 years ago. Nobody was really talking about sleep. Sleep consultants and coaches didn't really exist. So I said, all right, this is a great thing. Maybe I'll try this. And then I got pregnant again, we moved to Los Angeles. So I put that on hold. And I realized that nobody was really sleeping on the West Coast too. And that's really when I started my, my practice. 
Well, it's amazing to hear. I mean, so many times our own life experiences sort of put us on journeys, right? So I'm guessing that Devin and Evan are <laughs> from the book titles are your children, right? They actually not, but my kids oh. and my kids didn't name them. Um, <laughs> Devin and Evan. So working with children, I worked with parents of kids for many years in my private practice, and the parents started saying to me, "Can you help us? You know, we helped our kids get sleep. We need sleep too." And I really expanded my practice um, to adults. But one thing I always realized when I work with the children is nobody really taught them why sleep is so important. All they thought is that parents were sending them to their rooms so parents could have this huge party. Really, all parents wanted to do was go to sleep. <laughs> and there were really a lot of sleep books out there for parents, but not so much for kids. And um, I have this little creative side of me, and I love to rhyme. And so I decided to write these children's books teaching kids why sleep is important. Well, I think, first of all, congratulations. That's super exciting. But I, I want to ask you, you know, when we talk about children and sort of educating them on the value of sleep, do you really think even today that many adults are really educated on the key to sleep and the relationship of sleep to our overall, overall well-being? Because I still, you know, you see people wearing their aura rings, right? And they're all kind of tracking or getting data about what's happening. But what do we do with that data? Do we really know how to take action in our lives? So I'd love for you to share a little bit about not only education for children, but for, you know, I know it's your corporate sleep specialist as well. You know, what is the role of sleep to our performance uh, as children, as adults? And what is it that, that we're often surprised we don't really know about sleep and its importance to our overall well-being? Sure. So part of my job, I consider being a sleep educator. So it's sleep education and then sleep support. And how I always start my corporate sleep workshops, my school sleep workshops, any wellness workshops I give, I always say, you're here for the hows. But before I start with the hows, we have to start with the whys. Because it doesn't matter. Everything I'm going to tell you to do are daily life changes. The good news is they're not huge, but they're changes. And why would you make those changes? in your life if you don't prioritize and understand the importance of sleep. So a lot of people do not know how to get better sleep, but they also don't really know why they need it. And kind of like you had said, um, you know, what does sleep affect? Literally everything that we do. I usually use the analogy of, you know, you put a, it's a rainstorm and you take a big umbrella out with you, right? To protect your body from head to toe. That is literally what sleep does. It protects the body from head to toe. There's almost nothing we do on a daily basis that isn't somehow negatively affected by bad sleep or positively affected by healthy sleep. So when you think about that, you know, give us some examples of maybe in our day-to-day -day lives, those things that are most impacted by our mm -hmm. sleep patterns, whether it's too much or too little. Yep. It's, so I like to put it into three categories. So it's physical, emotional, and behavioral. So if you want to think of it like that, right? So physical, most importantly, it affects our immune system. Our immune system gets stronger while we sleep. So we need to stay physically healthy. Um, and now, of course, we're, the whole world is focused now on the emotional impact of COVID, right? And everybody, as a clinical psychologist, I'm thrilled that there's a big push and call out there for mental health um, awareness. And it affects our anxiety and rates of depression. 
So that's the second part. And then behaviorally, things like you said, um, your efficiency, your productivity at work. For athletes, huge success on the fields and on the courts. And something that I know you're very interested in, which is beauty sleep yeah. on our skin. And, and there's, there's everything that goes on at night will serve a purpose. And your skin or your aging process is really affected by sleep as well. So one of the things I'd love, and we'll, we'll talk more about beauty sleep because we're for sure going to get to that because yeah. that is something that all of our listeners are really keyed into. Mm -hmm. But I also think, you know, one of the things I'd love to talk about is what has the last, what, you know, what over the last couple of years, when you look at, you know, everything everyone's been through, do you notice a significant change in, you know, behavior and sleep behavior and also uh, maybe the demand people have to really find that place where they can unwind and lower their anxiety and their fear. So what do you think has changed the most for people, particularly in the arena of mental health and its tie back to sleep? And yeah. more importantly, what are some of the things that you're really seeing demand for right now as a result of that? Mm -hmm. So the number one cause of behavioral sleep problems. So not a medical reason like an apnea or a restless leg, but behavioral sleep problems like insomnia. The number one cause for that is anxiety and stress. So is it any wonder that during this pandemic in the past couple of years, people's sleep has fallen apart? So mentally, that's a huge thing. During lockdown and more towards the beginning of COVID, our sleep schedules were all over the place. And sleep schedules are such an important piece of healthy sleep. So, and people were not getting outside. And that's an important piece, getting you know sunlight during the day and getting exercise. So it was like the perfect recipe for sleep disaster was, was COVID and the pandemic. And then of course they're finding now that long um, haulers with COVID are having a lot of sleep issues too that are not going away. So um, needless to say, I've been very busy the past few years, a very small silver lining. Now I've always worked virtually, not always. When I moved um, from back from the West Coast to the East Coast, I started working virtually because most of my client base at that time, 10 years ago, was on the West Coast. And I said, oh, wow, this works. And I'm so glad that, you know, the world in the mental health profession, because there was never mental health parity back then, now everybody's is working virtually. And that has really helped for me because I can work with people all over the country, if not the world. Uh, I work do a lot of work in schools and that's national and corporations. You don't have to be there. So I, I'm so happy that I've been able to get a bigger reach for um, helping people with sleep just because of the virtual nature of it, it works. And I think that is so important. One of the things I do think is such an amazing thing that's come out of the last couple of years is that accessibility that you're talking about. Now you have access to experts and expertise that's not limited to your geography. And yes. I love that. But yes. with that comes when you talk about working virtually, I mean, our company has always had virtual coaching and all of those things like you for 15 right. years uh -huh. before, before it was cool, right? Pioneer. Yep. But but the reality is that technology, while it can provide us with all of those great access points, how does technology also play a role in our sleeplessness sometimes? <laughs> and, you know, are they related, especially when we look at our children, 
you know, mm-hmm. you, one of the titles of your book is playing Fortnite till 11, you know, so, right. so what is the impact or the relationship of technology to sleep? Mm-hmm. So it's twofold. Um, the one thing that we hear most um, often when you're talking about technology is blue light, right? I think that's kind of a common thing. And when I do sleep workshops and I, you know, I talk about putting your, your devices away an hour before bed, it used to be years ago, I had to explain why. Now everybody kind of knows, right? Blue light's emitted from your tech. It goes into your eyes. It tricks your brain into thinking it's daytime and your body decreases melatonin. Now, again, melatonin is something I used to have to explain years ago. But recently, sales of melatonin have skyrocketed. So everybody knows, oh, melatonin should help me sleep. It's the sleep hormone. So physically, scientifically, it's proven that blue light is not good for sleep, also not good for your skin. But the second component of tech is the emotional component to it, right? So when we're on social media or, you know, during the pandemic, everybody was doom scrolling or whatever you're looking and reading, most of it has a, will elicit an emotional reaction, whether it be positive or negative. And that's exactly what we do not want to happen before bed. We want relaxation. We want to turn off the brain, turn off the body. And that is the exact opposite of what tech does for us. And so when you talk about that, what is the time frame when we say talk about, you know, uh, is there a ritual we should have that sort of takes us or walks us down <laughs> from that digital high, if you will, um, yep. prior to sleeping? Sure. So I'm um, things like different things I recommend. So I recommend trying to get technology off at least an hour before bed. I know that's sometimes hard for people to do. If you have to be a, a kid for school or adults for work, then get some blue light blocking products or blue light blocking glasses. Those will help. If you can get it off, get your technology off, turn it off, but more importantly, get it charged outside of your bedroom because we're all addicted to technology. Every one of us, not just the kids. And so when you get that beep or ding, you're going to find it very difficult to not check it. Or what most people tell me is they fall asleep and they don't check their phones. But what's the number one thing they do when they wake up at two o'clock in the morning? They can't go back to sleep. They go on their phones. That's the last thing you should be doing. So really just getting, getting, and it's habit. Everything we do is habit. So getting off of that, get rid of that FOMO for the, you know, young teenagers or college students, millennials thinking, oh, something's going on online that I need to do. If everybody collectively all got off their phones, none of us would have FOMO and think we're missing out on something and do something relaxing, do your yoga breaths, do listen to relaxing music, do a meditation. There's so many great things that can help us just off to sleep, yet we choose the one thing that's really going to make it more difficult, which is using tech. So, you know, when we talk about your point about habits, you know, make role modeling, I think especially because I know in our research, much like yours, we're looking at the impact on children, right? Uh, with Because they'll have a lifetime of exposure that we right. never that we never had right, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, cumulatively so what are some of the things the tips that you would give us as parents to think mm-hmm. about how do we help our children you know do we role model behaviors what are the things that we can do to help put our kids on the right path to sleep wellness yeah that's such a great question Celeste. i love that because it is true 
so many adults have sleep problems and then kids just model that or they think, well, my parents don't sleep well. And then the whole house becomes, you know, these people that think that they're all, they all can't sleep well, but they're, they don't have the healthy habits in the home. And when I work in schools, if I'm just working with the kids, I'll recommend to the schools to also hire me for the parents because it has to be, some kids will say to me, well, my parents are up and loud all night and I can't sleep or vice versa. I know I'm a parent of teens during the pandemic, they were up really late when we were trying to sleep. But let's go back to what we can do. The number one thing goes back to the whys. So to teach that next generation, you have to get at what is important to them to motivate them. So the good news is sleep, like I said earlier, affects everything. So I can find something that's important to every single person on this planet and related to sleep. So let's say you're into beauty, right? A lot of kids are on social media and they're, you know, want to be influencers, how much it affects your sleep, beauty sleep. Say you're an athlete, how much it affects your performance, your recovery on the fields and on the courts. Let's say you're a student or you're a high, you know, executive, CEO, how much it affects your ability to focus, to be organized to um, not make mistakes, to be efficient. So you can really, that's what you have to do. You have to find that hook because the things I'm asking people to do are kind of the things we like before bed. We like to be on technology. We're busy, so maybe we're working out before bed. That's bad. For adults, so many adults have a glass of wine or drink alcohol before bed. That's really not helpful. So the things I'm asking people to do are small changes, but they're, they have to be motivated or they're not going to make those changes. Yeah, and that makes so much sense. And I know exactly what you're saying because everything you just listed are things we tell people for healthy skin too. <laughs> so yeah. it's so important. So let's talk about beauty sleep if we can. Yeah. So, you know, when we talk about looking, loving what we see when we look in the mirror, and I love as a clinical psychologist, I'm sure you get this better than anyone, mm -hmm. um, but how does sleep affect us um, physically when you sort of think about how we look and what we see in the mirror or how it disrupts mm -hmm. things that we might have as normal functions? Yeah, sure. So when, so sleep affects your mental health, right? So when you're anxious and you're depressed, it's like a vicious cycle you're going to not look at yourself in a, as a positive light because you're not feeling well. You're very stressed, you're upset, you're not feeling well or you can't get out of the house or do what you need to do. The other interesting thing is that there's been research where they've asked people to look at pictures of people who are sleep deprived versus not. And they've um, rated the, these people as more attractive, the people that are better well-rested. So you're actually, you feel better and you like how you look better when you're not sleep deprived, but you're viewed from society in a more positive, beautiful light too. So that's it's interesting. It is, it's super interesting, but it makes complete sense, you know, when you think about it. So when we talk about, um, you know, the golden amount of time that you should have sleep, I hear mm -hmm. such conflicting stories about that. What, what are the, what do you think are the best number of hours someone should sleep so for adults it's usually between seven and nine hours with the average being eight and here's a good way to know and i'm uh, the best at my eight hours so you find a week time when you don't have to set an alarm maybe summer vacation or something like that and you have to go to sleep about the same time every night 
and see when your body naturally wakes up the next day because we all have like a set natural wake up time. And when if you don't feel you feel well rested during the day, you're not tired. And when you start to see that after a week, you will know what your required amount of sleep is. So it's usually usually for most seven, eight or nine. There's about 1% of the population who are deemed short sleepers that need less, but 99% of us need somewhere within that seven to nine range. So when we talk about good sleep, because that's what I hear people complain about the most is, oh, I slept, but it, was, it wasn't a restful sleep, you know? Right. So uh-huh. what, what is REM when we talk about entering the REM state? Mm-hmm. Uh, what is that in terms of sleep? And, you know, when we talk about good sleep, what is it that's key that we should look for um, in a restful night? Yeah. So deep sleep, REM sleep is really important for recovery. And that happens, you know, physical recovery and mental recovery. And REM sleep, when we dream, that's actually when our memories of the day are moved from short term to long term. So that's really important for for students and for adults to be able to keep in store in their brains every all the information that we've learned. Now, so during the day, if you think about it, we're so active, you, right? Most people just don't stop. And our brain doesn't have time to process. And that's stuff we learn, but also anxieties and negative thoughts. And then what I hear most in my practice when I talk to people about sleep is why they always say, why do I, it was when I get into bed and is that exactly when I don't want to be thinking these thoughts, my brain starts going a mile a minute. And that's because we're finally learning to relax and lay down. And that's when your brain is starting to do that work that it didn't do all day. So spending time to get out those thoughts with kids having talk time, maybe for adults having working with a therapist or just a good friend and a phone call or journaling before bed is something I recommend also. And getting out those anxious thoughts or just thoughts about, for me, I'm a list maker. So I'm always worried about, oh, you know, what do I have to do tomorrow? When are my clients, my podcasts and my workshops? Getting it all on paper, it's less likely to intrude. We stay in a deeper sleep when we go to sleep with a quieter mind. So when I also work with a lot of parents of young kids, when kids know there's gonna be this middle of the night party, where they can get up and their parents will come into their room or they can come into their parents' room and they're allowed to kind of roam, their brain is not quiet at sleep. And that's why they wake up. They're not going into their deep sleep or their REM sleep, which is what you, the original question you asked, which is why do they feel like not well rested? There's quantity of sleep, but there's also quality of sleep. And quality is very important. Absolutely. And so what are the other things, you know, we talk about not only, I love what you just shared. I don't know that most people think about how the brain processes, you know, and how sleep plays a role in that. But yes. there's also a lot of other uh, repair that goes on, right? When we sleep, that's sort of vital. So talk about that a little bit with us. Yeah, there's so, of- mm-hmm. so much happens while we sleep. In my workshops, I have a whole section called Why Are We Sleep? Because people often say, oh, I'll sleep when I'm dead. It's a waste of time. I have so much to do, right? Or they have that FOMO, something better is happening. And more happens in our brains while we sleep than it does during the day and in our bodies. So a few things that happen is hormone secretion. So the growth hormone is secreted while we sleep. That's really important for our bodies, for kids growing, for our skin, right? For cell repair at night happens while we sleep. So the growth hormone is so important. The stress hormone, we want to keep cortisol low. That's also has an important um, function for our skin, right? We're stressed, we're anxious, 
we break out, acne, we don't want that. Um, the hunger hormones are secreted while we sleep, leptin and ghrelin. So we don't want, if we don't want to eat leptin, it tells the body that we're full. If there's not enough leptin, we're going to keep overeating. Also, when our body is not fueled, we're reaching for outside sources for energy. So we tend to overeat. So you have not enough leptin, too much ghrelin, which tells you to eat more and poor choices of food. That does not, that affects us in our weight gain, makes us feel sluggish and affects our skin as well. So it's just a never ending cycle. So much happens while we sleep. That's so important. Well, and you know, what's interesting is what was going through my mind while you were talking is that, you know, we spend so much money and so much time on all of these ancillary self-improvement things. And I'm listening to you saying, wow, if we just focused on sleep, it would resolve so many of, I mean, just in that, the small snapshot, I can't even wait to participate in one of your workshops because I can't imagine what you learn when you can spend more time than what we have today. So, you, you know, when, what can someone do? So when we think about, you know, getting help or going to an expert, you know, mm-hmm. give me an idea of, you know, what could someone expect from working with you or doing a workshop? Um, what does that sort of look like? And how do, what does it really take for us to really start to get on that journey of really paying attention to sleep, but more importantly, getting the tools that we need to really move forward with our families and our, and, yeah. and even my office, you know, our workplace. Yes. During COVID, I did a lot of corporate sleep workshops. Um, parent, you know, uh, CEOs were really worried about their employees' mental health. And once you understand that you can't talk about mental health without talking about sleep, you want to make sure that's a big component. If you're anxious, you're going to be more anxious. If you're sad or depressed, you're going to be more um, sad or depressed with unhealthy sleep. So my sleep workshops are generally an hour, and they're a half hour of sleep education, as I told you, the whys and then the hows, and then a half hour of Q&A. So I really like to have every person that's attending get at least one question, personal question answered. They could do it through chat if they wanted to be anonymous. So that way, when we're done with the workshop that night, they have one tool, if not more, that they can use that night to help them get better sleep. You have to start using things. Sleep isn't like a light switch where we can just turn it out and boom, we're already better. So you have to have these tools that you know you can use every single night and you will start to see some positive results. So that's the the workshops. I work for schools. I do it for students, for teachers, for administrators, for school support staff, work with athletic teams. Um, So that's great. Uh, sleep education and support within the schools for kids and within the corporations. And that's where most of us spend most of our time, right? Either at work or kids in school and private practice. I work with parents of kids, um, little ones, babies, if your baby's not sleeping through from middle school and up, I start working with the child individually with the parents too, but I work directly with the kids. I love working with teens and college students, college students have no notoriously bad sleep. A lot of that has to do with, you know, living in dorm rooms and all the partying that's involved. So getting to that population, really, you know, people say, who's your target audience? It's everybody, because everybody sleeps. And now that the world, I'm so grateful, is so focused on sleep, I'm working with a lot of wellness companies, beauty companies, pillow companies, so sleep companies, mattresses and pillows, but wellness companies, anybody that wants their consumers to have better wellness and health know that sleep is a component. So I'm doing a lot of advising for hotels and spas and all that. Um, 
so I'm busy, but I love it. The more I can get the word out and help people, the better. I think it's so important. And what you do, like you said, it just goes hand in hand with every form of self-improvement. Um, you know, it's really, it's the underlying necessity, isn't it? <laughs> that yes, we have. absolutely. So I'd love to talk about a couple of things real quickly, because it's amazing how fast the time goes. But um, so a couple of questions for you. When people are starting to fall asleep, why do they sometimes have that feeling where they're sort of jolted or you sort of feel a physical type of jerking that goes on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you said that it's usually called a hypnic jerk. Um, it's, it's not exactly scientifically understood, but what science scientists think is that it happens from when you're awake to actually falling asleep and the body starts to relax and the brain thinks maybe you're falling. So you have that jerky notion. Um, but the good news is most people fall right back to sleep after it and it's not harmful at all. That's not a true sleep disorder. So don't worry about it. All right. Yay. That's one less thing we can take. So talk about like for you, because we talked so much about cap, you know, you mentioned having a glass of wine, but how mm -hmm. does caffeine affect sleep? And do you drink caffeine? And when mm -hmm. do you not, you know, as the expert, maybe you can coach us on that. So. Yes. So I'm a big coffee drinker, but only decaf. People laugh at me even in the morning. They say, well, why do you drink coffee if you only drink decaf? Morning rituals and evening rituals are really important. And to, in order for the morning to get up and get out of bed, people sometimes say, it's so hard for me to get out of bed. I say, you have to have your morning ritual. That's a motivation for you to get up, get some sunshine. And I make my own lattes at home and I love them. So that's kind of my motivation, but it's decaf. But you can have caffeine. I recommend up until about one o'clock, depending on when you're going to sleep, it actually stays in our system for about five to seven hours. So you don't wanna have late day caffeine tea herbal teas are great to start drinking in the afternoon if you like to sip something hot or making that part of your evening routine like the sleepy time teas are great relaxing and helpful for sleep that's super helpful and then last but not least um we always talk about how our pets can help us sleep so you are a dog or a cat person or do you have a pet i do and not have i do not have a pet um, but they are very good for mental health not always great for sleep so if you have, if your dog is, or your pet is disturbing your sleep, you might want to think twice about sleeping with your pet, but if it works well together, that's the same thing with, um, you know, your spouse, yeah. <laughs> a lot of couples don't physically sleep well together. And you have to realize that sleep is the most important single behavior you do every single day. So if there's anything that is preventing you from getting good sleep, like maybe if a spouse is snoring, get the apnea test or get earplugs or, you know, if you're, it's your dog, maybe you don't want to sleep with your dog that night. So we really just have to make sure that we're getting, that goes back to prioritizing. Sleep is so important. You don't want to have resentment towards people in your life, your, your spouses, your children, your pets, if that's what's keeping you up at night. Yeah, I so agree with that. That's great advice. And then last question, because, you know, we're going into summer, everyone is traveling again. There's this mm -hmm. whole resurgence. You know, all of our resort partners are fully booked. Good for them, right? Yes. After all of that. But yes. what should we do with sleep and travel yeah. you know, when you think about that? Mm -hmm. I just had a post in my Instagram about that because I was just away um, 
for the, one of the first times since the pandemic. And there was a wedding party in the room connected to us and they were partying till three <laughs> o'clock in the morning. What I have, and I always travel with my sleep mask, which I love and earplugs. And the person that I was traveling with did not have that. And, you know, she was up and I was able to get myself back to sleep. So it's very important that you try to stay as, as consistently with your sleep schedule as possible, which often is not that possible when you're traveling and bring things from home that you know will help you sleep. Like maybe a room spray. I like to travel with my lavender spray, a sleep mask, earplugs, anything you know might help you if there's some sort of sleep disturbance in the hotel. And it's crazy, isn't it? How those sleep masks can really, it's amazing what light and sound, you know, it has to do with our oh. sleep. So I'm with you. It's amazing. Yes. How can listeners connect with you um, if someone wants to really not only, you know, but have a consultation with you, understand, you know, how they can work more closely or those listeners today who have businesses and want to do workshops or children that they may want to. Like you said, the whole span. <laughs> yeah, everybody. Yeah. So my website is salveoursleep.com. My email is Whitney at Salve Our Sleep, and all my Instagram and Facebook, Twitter is at Salve Our Sleep. So pretty easy to remember. Just remember SOS, Salve Our Sleep. And please, you know, email me or reach out on social. I'll get back to you and we'll have a conversation. Well, for everybody listening, know that we'll put all of that um, on our site. You'll be able to have links to everything to get in touch with Dr. Roman. And I wish we had so much more time because you're such a wealth of knowledge. But I do want to thank you for the role that you play in making people more well, because I think everything you have to share, I know everyone walked away with something today that will help them on their journey. so. So I so appreciate your commitment to that and being part of that journey with us. So thank you so much. Great. Thank you, Celeste. All right. And everybody click in. You'll be able to get uh, more information on her and how to connect with Dr. Roban on our site. So once again, everybody, be well, do well. Talk to you soon.